This is Logics Academy. I'm Mike Washburn. There are a lot of great events you'll see Logics Academy at coming up. We'll be at the Atlantic Education Summit in Moncton, New Brunswick at the end of June and at CASA in Vancouver in early July. We're also pumped to be working in Nova Scotia during a whole week of professional development at the end of July. So stay tuned to our social channels to find out if we are coming to a city near you. Out of all the things I'm geeked up about for this year, Metatalabs might be the top of the list. It's an unplugged coding platform for K-2 students with no devices required. It's absolutely amazing. They just released a new pro bundle that includes an amazing art and music add-on. And right now, if you buy five pro sets, you get one for free. This would be the perfect amount to use in your classroom with kids working in pairs or groups and an awesome way to start the new school year. When we come back, we'll be joined by Louise Viancourt. Stay with us. All right, welcome back to the podcast, everyone. We're thrilled to be joined uh, today by Louise Viancourt. Louise, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. So tell us a little bit about who you are, where you're from, and what your role is. I believe you're in Ottawa. Is that right? That's right. I'm in Ottawa. I work for the Ottawa Carleton District School Board. Currently, I'm a tech coach. So I go from school to school, K to 12, to build capacity in teachers, integrate technology in the classroom. And next year, I'll be the elementary technology consultant. So I'll be a bit more at the board, but I'll still be visiting to see what the neat stuff's happening at the board. Amazing. That's an awesome job. Uh, we mm -hmm. have lots of friends doing those jobs, and I'm always a little bit jealous. Uh, <laughs> everyone has a bit of a different story when it comes to their connections to coding and robots and how they first got started on them. Maybe you can give us a little bit of a sense of your path that led us to talking today. So my path started, I guess, uh, a long time ago. I did my degree in physics, and at the time I was doing a lot of coding, and that really uh, interested me. And then I went to teaching, and um, or I thought I was going to be a math and science teacher, but eventually I, I became more of an FSL, so French as a second language teacher, and still integrated a lot of technology in the classroom. Uh, and then I came upon uh, at an ed camp. I met one of the teachers at the board, uh, and she was running a pilot with the Lego Mindstorm. Mm -hmm. kits and so I was able to participate in that and I got uh, 10 Lego Mindstorm kits for our school to integrate into the classroom so not as a club but really to access the curriculum so I teamed up with one of the math teachers there and we tried some lessons it was great um, and the following year uh, my principal wanted me to integrate coding and robotics in the science classes for our BIP the behavior intervention program and our autism unit um, and I was like, that's fabulous. Um, but the Lego Mindstorm kit for me was, um, gave me a lot of anxiety because there's so many little pieces and it had already fallen on the ground a couple of times. Mm -hmm. And so I'm um, like, I need something different. Uh, this won't work for me. Um, and I went to an ed camp and met Liz Galuga there and she introduced me to the Ozobots and the Cubelets. And I thought, fabulous. There's not little pieces. We can uh, it's really plug and play and go. And it's really low floor high ceiling type thing where you can expand, but you can start uh, really easily. So that, that was the introduction to how coding and robotics 
um, could be integrated in lots of different ways. And from there, with another teacher, uh, Susan Lee at J.H. Putman, the school I was at, uh, we wrote a a grant application to Best Buy to get technology to make it available to all our students, not just um, like the the typical students that go to to coding quest clubs or uh, robotics club. And so we got Ozobots and uh, Chromebooks and Hummingbirds and Makey Makeys at that point. Very cool. Lots of lots of cool devices there and lots of cool experience. Um, we love, and I love in particular, talking about robotics as a storytelling device. Mm-hmm. In fact, one of my favorite PD workshops that I do all the time centers around storytelling with robotics. Uh, I, and I use dashes. So I, I guess my question is, what do you think makes robots? And I mean, maybe Dash in particular. I don't know what other robots you would use for this. Uh, well, I mean, there are lots. In yes. particular, um, what do you think makes robots um, a good medium to tell stories? It's just the fact that they move. It becomes interactive instantly. Like you, you have it and then you students make little costumes for them. They yes. become a character. Dash with its eye that blinks is instantly relatable. Like you Uh you think it's like a little pet or a person. Um, And so the students want to engage and interact with it as if it was already a character in a story and a play that they're telling for themselves. Um, And so so coding in space um, in terms of skills gives you the idea of like, okay, you have the characters, you have the set. So if you're scaling that um, to what do directors uh, like theater directors and dance directors do. How do they communicate what's supposed to happen? Um, so having those little characters move around that way mm-hmm. um, gets gets the kids involved and also think about other uh, career possibilities. Yeah, we use the Ozobots a lot because they're they're, they're small uh, and we can have many. And we've used them like this year. We had uh, a grade two class to. Um, the gingerbread man. And so you have a code like run, run as fast as you can. So then the robot can go as fast as it can. And then it would stop and can communicate uh, with, with like, let's say there's a cow or a pig. Uh, But we've also used it in grade nine uh, with Romeo and Juliet and different teams had different scenes that they had to illustrate. And they built uh, costumes out of toilet paper rolls. Most of them are like little post-its that they would put on the robots uh, and built scenes uh, like the scenery that uh, and had the robots uh, interact. So if you if it was sparring, maybe it needed to turn. So you have to think about what do you want to express yeah. and clearly, um, like in an orderly fashion, set out what your code would be for that character to illustrate what you want to show. It's so much fun, eh? I, yes. I, I think that the kids just love kids love telling stories. On, uh, anyways like in, mm-hmm. in normal circumstances but then to use something like a dash that's super engaging and like you can record your voice and then it plays exactly. it back and uh, and then um, for older level kids what we do is we record video and so I've had kids doing green screen stuff where they where their dash is driving across it's it's super relate like you said it's totally relatable yes. and and it's it, hyper engaging it's it's kind of the best of all the worlds right and because the focus is on the robot, uh, you can go and record, like they, they might be, they have, like with Dash, you can pre-record some sounds, but even mm-hmm. if they're narrating the story or, or being a character, because the focus is on the robot, they're not as shy. So you'll have the students that would not necessarily speak up, be telling the story because we're filming Dash or the Ozobots or whatever robots doing their thing. 
Absolutely. So, and that actually leads a little bit into the next question. We hear all the time about educators using coding and robotics in special needs environments. And mm -hmm. I think that there's something about these devices that really level the playing field. Um, the equity piece of this is super interesting to me, and I, I talk about it a lot. Um, mm -hmm. What do you think are some of the great wins in terms of using robotics and special needs um, along with equity? Um, how else do you see kind of coding robotics playing a role in special needs? I, I know you have some kind of unique experience for this. Mm -hmm. Well, I think like Dash is actually the, the robot that convinced me that coding and robotics is accessible to everybody. Yeah. And sometimes uh, how the students are going to engage might surprise you. So we had uh, in our um, autism unit, we had a student that only communicated through echolalia, so repeating sound bites. Um, and so I, I asked one of the EAs to record those sound bites on Dash because you have like those 10 little yeah. sound bites that you yeah. can record. And the first time we played them, the student instantly engaged and, and like connected with the robots, like that robot speaking my language. Um, and so the next time he actually asked for the robot, not, not, not directly what he was asking is, um, to, for the EA to go fast, fast, go, go fast. And we realized it was like, he wanted the, the EA to go and get the robot from the drawer. And eventually he started because the, the, the little circles for those 10 sound bites are orange. He would ask for the orange circles. Um, so he was asking to, to interact with the robot and we got him to record some, um, some sounds and sort of have a little communication, like a little dialogue with the robot. So Dash would say hi, and then he would answer hi, and then we'd say, please press button one. Like the, ro the robot would say that. And then when he would, then it would play a, one of the desired song, sound bites. Um, so like something like that, where you're like, oh, in a maybe a regular classroom, you wouldn't think of it. Yeah. When you bring it out, you can tailor it to whatever the needs of the students. Unbelievable. For, when, yeah, and when we wrote the grant application, that, that was also our concern to make it accessible to everybody. So having robots that are low floor, high ceilings, like like the definitely Dash, even like the the way it's programmed, you can you can choose like which one if you want to do block programming. And now with Q, you can have like text programming. So th there's a broad range of of entry points, uh -huh. which are great. Which Robots maybe 10 years ago, even 15 years ago, didn't have as many entry points. And it wasn't as, I hate to say cool in using that word, but like, I mean, a lot of this stuff is really more commonly accepted now. So you don't have to be like, I talk a lot about video games and education and, and stuff like that. And one of the things that's changing a lot for in my world is that you don't have to be the the football player or the soccer player or whatever to be the cool kid in school anymore. You can be that kid that's awesome at programming a robot and that be awesome. That be cool. Yes. And and so you, when you have especially these these gifted students, these these students that are high performing in like very singular situations, but they happen to be in like STEM stuff because I, we see that a lot. Mm -hmm. It's it's really really a game changer in terms of equity, right? Yes, definitely. Also, a building leaders that we don't wouldn't typically think of leaders. Absolutely. And um, so at the OCDSB, the LSS, the Learning um, Support Services, um, they have bought Ozobot kits for uh, the autism units, and they rotate who gets them. And the the idea, like this, is just starting out, but um, the idea is that 
since they would experience and learn how to use them, they could go and be integrated into a regular class. And then they get to show the students in that class how to use it. So they become leaders and the Perfect. students in the regular class see them in a different light. Like, Absolutely. oh, you're somebody who can show me something. This is great. That's amazing. Um, so that was an awesome story. And, and I, 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 we love hearing awesome stories uh, about what people are doing um, at schools all across Canada with robotics and coding. Um, and I'm wondering if you could maybe share one or two uh, experiences, one or two things that have, I, I, I say, blown your mind lately, but something <laughs> that's really, really cool um, that has come up that you've seen or that you've worked with a teacher on um, maybe in the last year or two. I think uh, like integrating green screening is definitely one yeah. with the robots. So the animates uh, scenes and then have that. So it's sort of like that app mashing uh, idea where you're now integrating all the tech. You're not just learning one, uh, you're putting everything together. And also when, um, if, because often schools can't afford classroom sets of everything, but if they have one robot interact with another. So like if you have Dash, uh, having like a marker, draw a line, and then the Ozobot follows that line, um, then you, you get them to interact or um, have challenges for a variety of robots and see which one could uh, could do best. So like the sort of the sumo, but with like with uh, the cubelets and Dash and, and Sphero and stuff like that. We've been working a lot uh, this year with um, the uh, a high school called Earl of March, and they have a TLLP with coding and robotics integrating into math and science in grade nine. So we've been working with them, and it's been interesting uh, seeing how teachers are are changing the way they look at uh, their lessons. And robots allow you to go and test your your hypothesis or your your answers really quickly because mm -hmm. what we're finding is that students might do a math problem and if they have a mistake, they want to forget it as soon as possible. Um, but if they're working with a robot and they, there's a mistake in their code or they, they want to figure it out and they're not waiting for the teacher to give them the, you know, the, okay, yes, you did it right. They, they know either their robot's doing what they want it to do or they, it's or it's yeah. not. Yeah. Yes. So that's been very powerful. So the teachers are actually changing the way um, they teach because this, this way the students can go back and repeat their experiment multiple times. So if you're like measuring the perimeter with, with a robot, for example, whereas like before they might've just done like one test and then they show them like the, the perfect answer and then they move on. So the students don't, aren't completely convinced that it is the, the right answer, but they just, they have to move on. So that's, that's been very powerful. And if, people are interested in, in looking at it's called code explosion is their project title and you just look at that online and the, all their lesson plans are there oh that's awesome very very cool i'll put it in the show notes as well um right. i we talked offline before we started recording that you're going to be speaking at ISTE, which is a, a, a cool platform um so so plug your plug your ISTE session and also let people know how they can connect with you on social media or wherever else uh, wherever else you are. Yeah, so it's our first time going to ISTE. I'm presenting with my colleague and other tech coach Suzanne Dion, and we're presenting how to use robots to support uh, students with special needs. So going over like our our special needs document from the Ontario curriculum and seeing which robots fit with what, then we tell a lot of stories about what worked and in the classes that we've been in. Uh, if people want to contact me, um, I'm usually on Twitter. So the easiest way to contact me is on Twitter. Um, at Ottawa Louise is my Twitter handle. 
Very good. Louise, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. You're welcome. It was a pleasure. Thank you. We really appreciate you taking the time to listen to Logics Academy. If you know someone who you think would like our show, we'd really appreciate you sharing it with them. You can get in touch with Logics Academy on Twitter at Logics Academy. My name is Mike Washburn, and you can find me on Twitter at Mr. Washburn. See you next month. Until then, stay awesome.